Well, I mentioned uh, this morning that, uh, and well, I've mentioned for several days, Australia is bracing for what's been described as a mental illness pandemic. And JK talked about that, Sir John Kerwin. One of the byproducts of the lockdown has been the devastating and crippling effect of the economy, of global financial crisis proportions or more. Josh Frydenberg alluded to that sensibly yesterday in language we could all understand. It'll take, quote, many years to repay, Josh said. Now, suddenly, there's an enormous pressure on people. There's the mortgage, the school fees, household expenses, rent, if it's rent, uh, energy bills, electricity bills, and a disturbing report at the weekend that revealed that our annual suicide rate could increase by 50%, or that the deaths from suicide would increase by a factor of four over the deaths from coronavirus. The government, to be fair to them, look, he's listening to me and I don't care if I embarrass him. Uh, this Greg Hunt has done a terrific job. Uh, this bloke is a very, very good minister. He works night and day right on top of his brief, right on top of detail. He delivered an update on the mental health response to the federal parliament, or he will today. Uh, they've already announced a $74 million mental health package, but I'm told, and I thought we'd have a quick word with him, there's going to be a new deputy chief medical officer devoted to the issue of mental illness. And we'll just see where that's going to take us. He's on the line. Minister, good morning, and thank you for all you've done. Uh, good morning, you, Alan. I hope you get a bit of a sleep somewhere along the line. Now, this is a big issue, isn't it? I mean, this mental illness question, I looked at it before 8 o'clock, but how are we going to address it? Well, it is always an issue, but it's even more so during an economic crisis. And then add the, uh, the health effect. It could be people worried about their health, uh, the loneliness of isolation, or the, all the economic pressures you, you've referred to, businesses, school fees, mortgages, all of these things can weigh on people. That's why um, our goal is to get ahead of the curve on mental health, just as we've done with the uh, coronavirus, with the, the physical health treatments. And we're appointing a, uh, a new, the first ever Deputy Chief Medical Officer for Mental Health in Australia, uh, 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 Dr. Ruth Hines, who's a former chief psychiatrist in Victoria, but a really caring, engaged person who's focused on people's needs as well as how we make that system work better. Uh, and on Friday, the Prime Minister and the states together looking at a pandemic mental health plan just to identify what else needs to be done, how we can cooperate with the states and territories. Everybody recognises this is an immensely important human issue and uh, we just continue to fight to be ahead of the curve on it. Yes, I mean, you know, I've seen a whole lot of statistics on this and modelling by the Sydney Brain and Mind Centre and they say that in one region alone in northern New South Wales up to 53 suicide deaths, one region, and 669 suicide attempts could be prevented with an effective mental health response. See, Greg, you're aware of this, but I'm just saying this for the benefit of our listeners. Job keeper was the 1500 bucks a fortnight was to keep people connected to the workplace. And that meant they could at least go some way towards paying some of the bills. But we're now learning about quote unquote zombie businesses that are open, staff are on job keeper. And you think of the businessman, no revenue coming in, and I've mentioned that statistic, $160 billion has been deferred in payments by business, 220,000 businesses to banks, deferred. Now, that's got to be paid. And eventually, when the business comes back into business, 
they've got to maintain existing costs and still pay what is the backlog. So you've got a situation now, Greg, where you've looked after the job keeper, but the business has got no revenue coming in. So the boss is now under pressure. He's eating into his superannuation or he's got to take out another bank loan. So this is not just, you know, at grassroots level. It's everywhere, isn't it? It's insidious. Yes. So Josh laid out yesterday, you know, the long-term challenge and the plan for the recovery. And so by getting on top of the health effects of coronavirus, what that means is we're able to take these steps cautiously, I have to add, uh, out of the uh, the lockdowns that have been in place, able to get people back to work. And we want to get as many people back to work uh, quickly, cautiously as possible. And, and that okay. helps the economy, yeah. but it also helps mental health. The psychology and, of people, yeah. Just let me yeah. ask, go take cover a couple of things with you. Uh, I note you're saying you're closing in on 900,000 tests. In, in a... In a, and I'm not being critical here, in a country of, say, 25 million, is that a lot or not enough? No, it is a lot. It's one of the highest testing rates in the world, and perhaps even more importantly, it's one of the most accurate testing rates in the world. What that means is we are picking up a higher proportion of cases than almost uh, any other country. And that means that if, we, if somebody is with symptoms... They get themselves tested, they're either cleared or we find out early, and then we can trace uh, whom they've been in contact with and find anybody right. that's been exposed. And that's okay. why, you know, in uh, the last uh, 24 hours, you can see that uh, you know, there are a significant number of states and territories with zero cases. Right. Uh, that's a result of Australia having... Well, let me just ask you that, yep. Yeah. Yeah, let me just ask you this. Yeah, okay, terrific. Now, let me ask you this, because Professor Brendan Murphy, the Chief Medical Officer, said this week that he feared a devastating second wave. One of the consequences of lockdown is, while we are, in fact, preventing the spread, we're not providing immunity from that. I mean, immunity can only come from a vaccine or from people having had the virus, which in itself is a natural immunity. So this second wave... now. Are you... You don't have to tell me something that we're not yet meant to know, but coming into winter as the northern hemisphere are going into their summer so it's a lot easier for them coming into winter as we are and then given that the virus is still there we don't have immunity is there some concern that there may be a second wave of a pandemic we don't want to be alarmist here worse than the first look our goal and our expectation is that we'll be able to avoid that but only if we continue to follow all of the elements of the physical distancing of uh, people practicing their hygiene, of people getting tested. Uh, I'd encourage as many as possible to download the COVID Safe app. It will keep you safe and it will help keep others safe. So we're well placed. Um, we're better placed than almost any other country in the world, both economically and health wise. But we have to continue to be vigilant. And, uh, you know, when you, when you look at the figures, as of this morning, we're down to 13. Uh, cases in uh, critical uh, on mm. ventilation yeah. um, around the country. We've got capacity to treat seven and a half thousand people. We've boosted that. Uh, we have testing capacity, which has expanded uh, dramatically, as you say, approaching nine hundred thousand tests. All of these things together have put us in a position where we can act early, act fast. Each okay. of us has our own personal responsibility. Yeah, absolutely, no doubt about that. Just one thing before you go, uh, you government, your government bought one and a half million finger prick 
tests, which were supposed to tell us if someone had recovered from COVID-19. The latest government advice, I understand, indicates that you can't use them, that the finger prick tests aren't accurate enough. You're not going to tell me we bought those from China, are you? I'd have to find out where they came from. But no, this is about, uh, we don't have a New York. In New York, they're using uh, what are called the uh, the point of care or serology tests uh, or the antibody test. And that's because they've had a mass outbreak. We had to prepare, just as we did, as mentioned, with ventilators. We've got 7,500 ventilators within the system, only 13 cases. We prepared for all of the worst situations. Because we don't have that mass population, that's something that we're uh, hopefully never going to need. But we've prepared, okay. whether it's masks, ventilators, tests, for right. all of the worst circumstances. Well, you, before, you've got one more personal thing to do. Will you please make a phone call to Josh Frydenberg and tell him, one, we're delighted that he's tested negative, but to do something to get rid of the damn cough, which he's had since March from Saudi Arabia. Hey, come on, Health Minister. Get a, give your, one of your colleagues an uppercut, will you? <laughs> well, what I did uh, was I gave him advice to have decent sleep. But, he followed, but what he did is he sought the medical advice, uh, was advised to get a test, self-isolated, yeah. got the negative result, uh, a decent sleep, and he's on his way back today. I know, so but he's still got the cough. Everyone. You tell him to get rid of the cough. That's got to be treated as well. Good to talk to you, Greg. Thank you for your time. Thanks, Alan. Greg Hunt, the Federal Health Minister, 26 after 8.